Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Clone Wars Report. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Blaster fire as song. That is the way every episode of the Clone Wars really could have begun. That could have been the theme song. Uh, the person making the wonderful blaster noises is Ken Napsok, and I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and we're thrilled to be here. Right, Ken? 
Oh my gosh. I'm thrilled to be here to discuss a, uh, you know, an arc that is pretty grim, but also enlightening, but uh, it is pure Clone Wars. It is pure Clone Wars, and it is definitely one that I have thought about a lot. Uh, it is uh, definitely one that I uh, I have rewatched a couple of times, once with my wife, <laughs> and uh, and my wife uh, I-, I could tell was really feeling the depth and the pain of this arc. It is a powerful one. It is uh, what we're calling the Curse of Pong Krell. There are four episodes in this arc, making it one of the longest in the Clone Wars. So we're talking about Season 4, Episode 7, Darkness on Umbara, written by Matt Michanovitz and directed by Stuart Lee. Season 4, Episode 8, The General, again written by Matt Michanovitz, directed by Walter Murch, which, Ken, do you want to let people know who Walter Murch is? Walter Murch goes back a bit. He's a, he's a you know, a Lucas buddy, uh, I think credited as the co-writer of THX 1138, if I'm not mistaken but we can look that up on the old internet but known a uh, couple th- couple things editor of a little film called apocalypse now that we know george wanted uh, was planning maybe even to to direct and produce with gary kurtz after a new hope and then uh, goes on to direct his only like live action directorial credit return to oz in 1985, <laughs> uh, which also explains the Oz reference, uh, one of the clones named Oz in the, that episode. So, uh, and I had never known that. I knew Walter Mersh, knew a little bit of there, but did not know. And that's the joy of this rewatch. Yeah, edited American Graffiti too, and the, yes. all of the Godfather films. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, re-edited Touch of Evil for its re-release in the 90s. It's a really impressive uh, uh, list of, of resume. And really cool that he got in, involved in the Clone Wars in this episode in particular. Yeah. So uh, those are the first two episodes. And then the final two episodes, season four, episode nine, Plan of Descent. Uh, again, written by Matt Michinovitz, directed by Kyle Dunlevy. Season four, episode 10, Carnage of Krell. Again, uh, written by Matt Michinovitz. Uh, clean sweep. He wrote the whole arc and directed by Kyle Dunlevy. So Stuart Lee, Kyle Dunlevy, uh, two uh, heavy hitters mm-hmm. in Clone Wars. And then Walter Murch a heavy hitter of editing incredibly famous American films. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, all good stuff. All right, Ken, I'm going to get into the summary. Let's do it. I'm going to try to get all the way through this uh, in, in one breath. I'm not going to do it. I might have to pause. It's long. I tried to keep it short and I failed. Here we go. Invasion. Desperate to control the nearby hyperspace lane, the Republic invades the world of Umbara. The natives of uh, native Umbarans are allied with the Separatists and stage a strong resistance. The Jedi and the clones plan to take the capital city in a multi-pronged attack. After a daring landing and initial battle on the foggy, dark, and mysterious world, Anakin is called back to Coruscant by request of the Supreme Chancellor. Anakin's troops are placed under the command of Jedi General Pong Krell, an imposing basilisk with four arms, two double-sided lightsabers, a gravelly voice, and no respect for clones. Rex is upset with the General's dismissive attitude, but feels he must obey the chain of command. Over Rex's protest, Krell insists the clones face the enemy head-on, marching towards the city on an open road. The exposed clones are attacked and suffer many, many casualties. Meanwhile, Krell receives a message from Obi-Wan Kenobi asking him to take a nearby Umbaran airbase that is resupplying the capital city. Krell agrees and once again plans a disastrous mission for the clones, demanding they march past huge Umbaran MHC tanks, mobile heavy cannons. The clones' rockets do nothing against the tanks and they are pinned down. Against Krell's orders, the clones come up with an inventive solution. Uh, two clones, Fives and Hardcase, sneak onto the base and steal two Umbaran ships. They use them to destroy the tanks and the clone successfully seize the base. Victory? No. 
that is just the end of the second episode. Despite capturing the base, the capital city is still being resupplied from a separatist ship orbiting the planet. Fives come up with a plan to use the Umbarn ships to slip past the blockade and destroy the supply ship. Again, Krell says no. Soon, he will simply have the clones march into the city in the exact same strategy that has failed twice. Rex can't bring himself to approve directly disobeying Krell's order, but agrees to look the other way as Fives, Jesse, and Hardcase make a daring run. Inspired by the stories of young Anakin Skywalker, they pierce the shields of the ship. Hardcase gives his life to destroy the main reactor. The supply ship is destroyed. Victory? No. Krell is set on punishing Fives and Jesse for disobeying him. He skips a court-martial and orders the other clones to execute them. Fives gives an impassioned speech, reminding the clones that while they serve the greater whole that is the Republic Army, they are not droids. They are clones with free will and choice. They do not need to obey an order like this that they know is wrong. The clones fire, but miss on purpose. Krell takes the remaining troops that Umbar have stolen the armor and weapons of the 212th and are posing as clones. But as the battle begins, Rex quickly realizes it's a lie. He stops the fighting and confirms his fear when Waxer reveals Krell told the 220th, uh, 212th excuse me, the same lie. Realizing Krell set the clones up to slaughter one another, Krell laughs and reveals it's all true. A massive battle ensues. Krell's force powers and spinning blades end the lives of many clones. Eventually, Tup has the creative idea to lure Krell close to a dangerous local beast, the Vixus. The clones then stun Krell. Locked in an Embarn cell, Pong Krell reveals he's seen dark visions of the future. The Jedi will die. He planned to sabotage the Republic effort on Umbara to ingratiate himself with Count Dooku. Krell wants to become his apprentice in rule in the New Order. The clones think Krell is too dangerous to be kept alive. Rex tries to shoot him but struggles to bring himself to do it. Dogma, the clone who had followed Krell's terrible orders with the most blind faith, shoots and kills Krell. And everyone lived happily ever after, except for the many, many people who died or have massive tragedies coming up very soon in future episodes. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie. It's an absolute movie. It's uh, so much. And yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, it's a it's a hell of a one to try to break down to just the events because there are a lot of them. And it's got this weird uh, kind of beautiful not dreamlike quality, but nightmare-like quality, where it feels like the same thing kind of keeps happening, right? And I feel like that's a part of the power of the story. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Driving some points home. Yeah, so what was your overall reaction? You love it, like it, struggle with it? Yeah, no, I love this one. And this is one of the ones, uh, you know, you kind of look to look toward when we were starting this project here. You put a, put a circle around the calendar of maybe we'll be uh, watching Crow by then. It's, uh, it's just... It, the Clone Wars is such a great series, obviously, and it goes to so many different uh, spaces and places and, and fun weirdness and wackiness and, and mysterious weirdness. I, I just do enjoy that these four episodes are war, exclamation point, and all the things that go into that and all the questions that will come out of that and are uh, wrapped around uh, those type of events. And, and you and I have always talked about that built intention of Star Wars being about uh, wars, but also <laughs> maybe not to have them, but just growing up and pew, pew, pew. And we always talk about that. That that, that pulls you in a little bit. That's part of the reason you, you want to show up to the party. And then maybe as you get older, as you start seeing some of the stories in a different light, it's these type of arcs and these type of episodes that uh, really make you think while well, also just entertaining you. Yeah, I had a lot of fun just uh, 
watching these ones. My notes are maybe more vague than one would think. I have, I have a lot of notes, but just like, I just sat back and watched these episodes and watched, uh, watch them all in one setting, uh, both times, which is truly like a, like a little movie. So yes, absolutely love these episodes. Can't wait to get into them. Yeah, I'm with you. I absolutely love these. It's it's always one of the arcs that pops in my mind, um, particularly if, you know, I'm talking to somebody who hasn't watched The Clone Wars, like, there's some amazing stuff. Uh, it is so very, very dark, both in terms of the actual uh, actions, <laughs> yeah. what happens, uh, the visuals. It's just a really thrilling uh, arc where the uh, sort of concept and the aesthetic match really well it's hugely emotional, right? This mm-hmm. is in this era I've talked about before where I was enjoying the hell out of Clone Wars when I was uh, watching it for the first time on Netflix in 2014. But I was speed watching these episodes because I knew Maul was coming eventually. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So I'm sure I watched all of these in one sitting. And I remember this one, uh, along with the, the um, Ahsoka being kidnapped, being very emotional to me. Mm-hmm. This one was so hugely emotional, right? This like really pushed buttons for me of like, that that feeling of a leader you trust and how everything works when you have a leader you trust and then when some jerk comes in and it's life or death and like in his disrespect to the clones i remember just being like so engaged and enjoying it so much while also being furious alone on my couch like this is so <laughs> successfully emotional this arc for me uh and and i still felt that even watching it with a little bit more of an uh you know analytical hat on um yeah. A couple other things, big picture things I really like about this is it's such a great way as we're getting into kind of the second half of the Clone Wars show, mm-hmm. watching uh, the state of the war, that this is something that's checking in on the humanity of the clones, how they feel about war, and it's checking in about the downfall of the Jedi yeah. and just the general effect of sort of darkness spreading everywhere. So it's it's like, uh, it's a fun arc and it's an interesting arc and it's a different arc, but it's telling the main story of the Clone Wars in some ways. Yeah, I, I I don't want to say it. Yeah, I, I'll just say it. These episodes almost fulfill the promise of the Clone Wars series if you're going to sit down and watch it. Like, let's yeah. go into the Clone Wars with the clones. And I don't want that to come off as disrespectful to the wild one fun and wacky stuff we've had. And, and you know, the Mieber Gascons of it all coming later. I think those now, are, I can say safely, are just as valuable in telling the story. But this one just really uh, gets to the core of, of this and maybe what we even wanted to see. But then does what you do it checks in on what's going on and then i think prepares us for some deeper thoughts and deeper episodes later some stuff in season five the five five stuff that's coming and then a lot of stuff we got in season seven i just mm-hmm. having not seen seen this arc since season seven it really connects strongly uh, to some of the big questions that season season seven asks and wrestles with and 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 wants us to think about and so that makes makes these episodes all the way back in season four e- even more powerful yeah, and even really connects to Bad Batch season one with all the ideas of, mm. you know, a good soldier follows orders, right? Right, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other, one of the other big things that I like about this arc is, you know, this is a story about, uh, at least partially, and we'll get into this, about rebelling against orders. And yeah. that is, it, this is so refreshing because the story of uh, a lower ranking person rebelling against a higher ranking person because they're wrong is very familiar, particularly, I would argue, in American storytelling, where mm-hmm. culturally, one of the things about being American is individuality and going your own way and being a rogue is cool, right? To yeah. the point where it's almost a stereotype, right? That yeah. this The stereotype of the rogue cop who throws his badge down on the Sarge's desk because he does things his own way. We tell that story so many times in so many ways. It's a stereotype. 
And yeah. this is that story, but absolutely thoughtful and absolutely earned. It's not just cool because uh, we're making a cop movie. You got to make him a rogue. <laughs> yeah. He's got to go his own way because that's cool, man. It, it's yeah. not just the surface of that idea. It's the entirety of, well, why would anybody do that? It's yeah. The, the, the why of rebelling is that yeah. kind of the theme of this. Yeah. It's not uh McGarnagle, give me your badge. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a little more than that. And, and, and uh, in, in the early parts of the episode, and, and I think that's the, the purpose is, you know, this, this wanting and feeling like you need to trust Krell because I'm supposed to, right. He's got the lightsabers. That's what I've been following. You know, the, this, this Anakin guy's, seems pretty good and I'd trust him. And so I want, I'm, I'm giving you my faith. I'm giving you my trust and, and how that's lost, but also what do you actually do with it? The, the, the big question of, of orders and loyalty, good soldiers, that goes just to all of us as, as people, as good citizens. Uh, I, I think it, so it gets deep and it gets deep fast. And, and um, the, the, the reveal, the reveal of Krell at the end, number one makes sense. I can't wait to talk about it, but also mm-hmm. almost has nothing to, to do with like he could also just be an a-hole jedi and i think it would be just as valuable of, of a series of episodes yeah that was the the other thing i wanted to say about a big picture reaction that was almost more my own emotional reaction is i always think of this as the pong krell arc we're mm-hmm. describing it as the curse of pong krell so maybe we're uh, <laughs> making a mistake by perpetuating that that twist is so amazing right mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that he's actually seen the future uh, and he's such an interesting design and so frightening. It's easy to think of this as the Pong Krell arc. But, mm. you know, when I watched it, I was like, yeah, no, I'm th- this is the clone story. I get it. They're 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 stuck in a or between a rock and a hard place and they're trying to make decisions. But when I rewatched it this time for our discussion, like this is the clone story. This is Rex story. And exactly as you're saying, uh, Krell is just an instrument to tell their story. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And look, there's a lot I love. I we'll talk about that that vision thing and and this thing that comes up in Star Wars all the time, uh, and it's been there from the beginning. But I think you and I have been um, mentioning it a lot more lately. Here, it's a it's a new Force Center shirt, maybe one day. Hope versus fear. And so I'd lo- I'd love to analyze Krell from at one point. Maybe he was just kind of a you know all right hard ass. He had certain ways of viewing leadership and whatever. Clearly, he's got some incorrect views on the clones. Discuss about that. But maybe at some point he's he gets he he gets wind of this this vision and the fear that emerges. And this is how he deals with that fear. Uh, it it is uh, that 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 fear of letting go, fear of the future, all these kind of things. It's an interesting. Interesting thing to, for me to think about now versus maybe back in the day. What is this, 2011, 2012? These were Aaron uh, by now. Uh, yeah, I, I do not have that looked up myself. But yeah, but, you know, just part. like, yeah, ooh, he was going the dark side. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But why? 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 And I love the big why. And this is so many juicy whys. Yeah, he definitely seems like, seems like somebody who, even at the height of his connection to the light side, would still really want to win. And not mm-hmm. winning would be something that scares him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's powerful stuff. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into some of the details. We always like to talk about the morals of the episodes. There are four morals for four episodes. Uh, the first is the first step towards loyalty is trust. And then the path of ignorance is guided by fear. Then the wise man leads, the strong man follows. And finally, our actions define our legacy. These are all good bits of wisdom. But did any one of them jump out at you? Man, all, all all of all of all the flavors of ice cream today. Uh, the, the the two the path of ignorance is guided by fear. Again, I've been this is just I've been sorry banging this drum for center friends, but like I love to analyze what fear means because I just because because Krell 
is is not who I'd say is uh is you know he 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 has probably some courage and bravery. He's he's a strong cat, man. He'll stay. He's probably not afraid of space dragons and uh, tank uh, whale tanks and all the, anything. He's tough, uh, crusty but tough. And again, he's got some views I don't agree with, to be clear. <laughs> but uh, you know, and that that is the definition of strength for a lot of people because it's a certain kind of strength. But the fear isn't that. The fear is even more beyond just that he he fights from the back of the line instead of the front. Right? That's very clear. Uh, puts himself in a literal tower at one point, but like. It's just it goes to the fear of the vision uh, and and where that goes. And like you said, the fear of losing and a lot of that. So I love analyzing that one. And then our actions define our legacy. Here's Star Wars just talking about you're going to be faced with some things and you're going to make some choices. And that defines you. The, the It's the power, purpose and, and weight of choice in Star Wars. Yeah, I think our actions define our legacy is is powerful, too, because it's it's, not, it's even more strong than our choices. Right. It's our actions. What do you actually do (laughs) and i think for me that is a really powerful one to see and hear right now because it's very easy in the world that we live in uh to to talk a lot on social media Mm -hmm, (laughs) and, mm -hmm. and have a lot of opinions you know but i find myself gravitating towards like okay but but what is the action what yeah. what are we going to physically do because that's what will be remembered or you know mm-hmm. not necessarily physically but yeah how are we going to make an actual change rather than just throw our opinion out there <laughs> yeah what does that opinion lead to uh mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that's a good mm-hmm. reminder yep. uh really like the wise man leads the strong man follow, follows mm-hmm. uh to me that's a a great way of kind of getting to this sort of uh star wars idea jedi philosophy idea philosophy of many other places that you know you should be both wise and strong. Yes. Sometimes you need to be a leader and sometimes you need to have the strength to say, I'm not the leader right now. I'll follow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, actually that's yeah. Y- y- we, in the early Clone Wars reports, we did a lot of uh, Ken's baseball coaching corner, um, <laughs> but also it can be applied to a lot of uh, just a lot of areas of life. And I like what you said. It, it acknowledges the power and need for both yeah. and how they can work together, even within inside your own soul. Yes, the the student can learn from the teacher and the teacher can learn from the student, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and the path of ignorance is guided by fear. That's eh, a great classic. And I, I really love everything you're saying about Pong Krell and about that difference that we've been talking about uh, a lot lately about the difference between like sort of uh, fear of physical things versus emotional fear and how, you know, Luke saying, I am not afraid is, you know, he's thinking about, I can, I can fight Darth Vader. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. no, this is about your feelings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, what's going on here too. As you, you said that so well, Pong Krell can crush anything, but he's so afraid. What if I can't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's dive into the big ideas because I think that there are, there are some big central ideas, but there are a lot of little ideas intertwined as well. And I'm so curious to see uh, in your mind, how you kind of broke down what these episodes are all about. Good luck, sir. I'm scrolling my notes and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of thoughts. Would oh, you want me to start? Uh, um, tell you what. Yes. Yes. Actually, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Uh, Please do. Fastball. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go where you want to go because I'm literally scrolling through and I, I'm going to pluck things and, and throw them at the dartboard too. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah. I, for me, I was kind of big on, I, I wrote down a lot of different ideas as I was watching the episodes because I think there are these central ideas, but then within them, uh, little sub themes. And what was really mm-hmm. jumping out to me is this big idea that, that seemed to frame all of the episodes is specifically Rex's, honor 
um, mm-hmm. Rex's beliefs and how he defined his role as not only a soldier, but a leader of soldiers. Right. Yeah. Um, early in that, uh, not early, but in the first episode, he argues that his job is both to follow orders yeah. and to protect his fellow soldiers. Right. Uh, so everything he does going from there is in this attempt to balance those two things. Yeah. Of to be both somebody who follows the orders and protects his men. Um, and of course, uh, he keeps putting his men in danger, uh, violating one half of his beliefs uh, because he's following Krell's orders, which is supporting the other half of his beliefs. Yeah. Um, and I think what's really interesting to me about this is, is looking at it from the prism of, of Rex's trying to support both of these ideas that don't need to be against one another, but Krell is making it so they are. It sort of reflects this um, big Star Wars philosophy of the community matters, the whole matters. We are all connected. What happens to one of us affects the others. But also we're individuals. And as individuals, we have this gift and this responsibility of choice. So Star Wars is always supporting, Mm -hmm. hey, let's remember we're all connected. We're a system. But then let's also remember that we're all unique individuals. And that means something, too. And it, there's all these efforts in Star Wars to me to make it that so that the group in the individual are not opposed, but that sometimes you need to do something more for the group and sometimes you need to more take responsibility for yourself. And Rex's struggle is is kind of mirrors this, right? Um, Completely. And, and one of the other things for me in this big idea of framing it under sort of Rex's choice between these two pillars is we've learned in previous episodes, uh, like the, the cut Laquane episode mm-hmm. that Rex really considers the whole Republic his home, right? Cut Laquane says to him like, well, I'm making the individual choice to defend my home. And Rex goes like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not just blindly following. I've made the choice that the Republic is my home. So anywhere I go to defend the Republic, I'm defending my home. And like, that's really cool. And that's really great. But yeah. now we're catching up with him a little bit later. And we kind of learn that Rex has truly studied the ideology of the Republic and believes in it. He like actually agrees with it. It's not just, well, soldiers have honor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have these great quotes that kind of illustrate this back and forth. Uh, Rex says to fives, you know, we have a duty to follow orders. And if we must lay down our lives for victory Uh, and five says, do you believe that? Or is that what you're engineered to think? And Rex says, I honor my code. That's what I believe. And you get the sense of that. That's, that's personal. He, that is something that he, (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. has analyzed and, and picked for himself. Yeah. And a little later on, we get this uh, 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 dialogue exchange uh, where Rex says, uh, it is not our call. We are part of something larger. We are not independent of one another, making that connection to the larger whole, the group. Uh, Five responds, I'm sorry, I cannot just follow orders when I know they're wrong, especially when lives are at stake. And Rex says, you will if you support the system we fight for. Fives responds, I do support it, but I am not just another number. None of us are. To me, this is a conversation between two clones who are having this central debate that so many Star Wars stories do about the balance between the group and the individual. So that was kind of my my big picture thing that I really enjoyed uh, looking at all of the other ideas through that filter. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, right there with you. Uh, absolutely. This idea of uh, starting from a bigger one, 
uh, I got I got duty versus honor, orders versus what is right, and it's interesting to to look at it through Rex's perspective and the changing perspective. And and there was something I think he said down at the end here of uh, we must be trusted to make the right decision. Uh, mm-hmm. which speaks to identity, uh, identity within orders, because this episode, these, these episodes have a lot of, uh, I wrote down orders, the good, the bad, and the evil. <laughs> and there's a lot of, um, he says that to to Dogma at one point, right? Uh, the, 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 these are the general's orders. And, and even is kind of like at one point saying, the general, he's, he's a recognized war hero. And that's what the starting point. And so it's to love what you're saying about framing it, checking in with Rex at this point and knowing where we're going to get with Rex and how he has his beliefs. And he still, I think, constantly has um, that thought of, of, of the Republic being home. I love that. I love you bringing that into this uh, and how it, it's being really challenged. Uh, this idea, again, of duty versus honor. And then the big one I, I, I love is this, you know, what does it mean to be a good soldier? That comes up a lot here. We're going to hear that again in Bad Batch, as you pointed out. And uh, I think it was even Filoni talking about these particular episodes of like, who are you protecting? And it's kind of that big Star Wars of why are you fighting? And I love Rex. Here he is for the Republic saying we must have to lay down our lives. But he also realizes as a leader, he also has to protect those lives that are with him. <laughs> and, and that's part of his duty as well. And it all swirls up at a, at a wonderful, uh, you know, deep philosophical war story. Yeah, and I love that it just starts with uh, dubious tactics or then mm-hmm. like tactics that seem to kind of treat the clones as chattel. Then down to almost like the, almost that direct level of Pong Krell just saying, I'm your commander and you respect that system, so shoot yourself in the head right now. Like it yeah. almost gets that direct, right? It, it boils down to like uh, uh, Krell serves is not just like this great um, antagonist who who forces Rex to question these things. He's also ends up being this sort of symbol of the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Of Rex is struggling because he wants to support the system. He believes in the system, which uh, includes this chain of command for the good of everyone. Uh, but he also believes in being an individual and not doing something that's going to just blindly following orders. And the fact that Krell uses the system to undermine the system, right? That he relies on their blind loyalty of the system to betray the system, right? He setting yeah. them up for death. Uh, you know, I think that's a great moment where he just skips the court martial and they're like, well, technically he could maybe do that, but it seems yeah. like he's just executing us while also telling us we need to follow the system. And that's so powerful to me because I, I think it is, it, it speaks to things that do happen in real life that do happen in systems that we have, we do that. It is important to believe in systems if we want to all work together, but then realizing that one disingenuous leader can pollute the system, right? Yeah. One spoke on the wheel breaks. It's a, it's, it's a wonky wheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I just like that Krell, you know, totally reveals himself to have the utter opposite uh, perspective, mm-hmm. that he has no honor, he has no commitment to the whole, only to himself as an individual. You know, by the end, he's, you know, he's saying a new power is rising, I've foreseen it. <laughs> and and they're trying to, like, label him, like, ah, you're a separatist. He's like, I serve no one's side, only my own. Like, that is the total opposite of what Rex has been turning himself into knots. <laughs> yeah. You know? over is Mm -hmm. I don't want to just be selfish. I don't want to elevate the individual above all else because the community is good too. Yeah. 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 Well said indeed there. And just this idea of the, the, the 
uh, clones ident- individual identity, which we we know is a is a running theme throughout the Clone Wars, uh, and then having to run up against uh, the views of uh, those uh, who, who, regarding the, their thoughts on clone identity too comes up a lot. But I, th- well, that led me to this big question of uh, how can you keep your identity, your own individual identity, in the overwhelming rage of war and these big questions coming around? It's easy just to I think fudge and smudge those margins uh, when it just you're surrounded by viciousness. And, and and how do you hold on to yourself there? And then you got a leader like Corell just uh, uh, undermining you all all uh, all along the way, all along the watchtower. I feel like I should drop in a Hendrix reference for this <laughs> Vietnam-related story here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. No, no. I think that's I think that's a really great point, and I think I think the episode raises that question. Um, you know, has has Rex and Fives like truly just question the war the most explicitly they have at the very end. But also it kind of, I feel like along the way, it does hold Rex up almost like Ahsoka is kind of one of the true blue heroes of somebody who really, really tries to find a way, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, to navigate this. Because I think we see a a couple examples at the end where it would be totally, we'd probably be, as an audience, probably be pumping our fists and rooting for Rex if he uh, got pissed by the end of this, (laughs) right? And he is, but he... But he, is, he doesn't allow himself to be broken by the horror that Krell has put him through. I think it's really significant that Rex warns Dogma about the Vixis, right? Yeah. Dogma betrayed his clone brothers and was all on board for, uh, you know, summary execution. Yeah. <laughs> and it would have been really easy for Rex to be like, well, that's what Dogma gets, right? Yeah. Funny that his name is Dogma. But yeah. Rex, I think that beat is there on purpose, right? That Rex... <laughs> doesn't hold a grudge. He keeps his code. Dogma's one of his clones, one of his people, and he's keeping him safe. And then it's like huge thing that I really wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. that Rex almost pulls a direct Anakin. <laughs> yeah. And executes Pong Krell because he's too dangerous to be kept alive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, he his hand is shaking and Krell is uh mocking him and Dogma's the one who ends up uh shooting Krell. Do you think Rex would have pulled the trigger and just lived with it? Or do you think Rex would have said, no, this isn't the right way. I think I'm going to say, this is a great question. I'm going to think, uh, I think Rex would have said, uh, all right, take him away. I, I don't think he would have done it. Uh, and, I, and it's a good question because I'm rooting for it at the end. Um, rooting for Dogma, which, yeah, by the way, what if, if you, that's your nickname, you, you, you'd be, if you got a friend who's like, here's my friend, Blind Rage. <laughs> Not the same as Dogma, but it's like just. You know, just oh, he smashed up a bar. What's his name? Blind Rage. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I. I. Yeah. Because to tie it to the Anakin thing, it's and it's and this is what this this is the the needle you're threading here. This is why I love these episodes. Is and and again with the the, the war raging around all of you, and and I mean, there's there's. Great shots. Um, I almost hesitate to say great, but uh, not celebrating the violence, but just great shots of clones shooting on Barnes in the face. Rex oh. does it at one point. There's violence. And what it's does that do to violent. you? And to come down to this moment, I think uh, it almost could have been Rex saying, this is just one more dead body than we need. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it, yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I think Rex wanted to, but would have stopped himself because I think he's doing it out of fear. Like, mm-hmm. The argument is pretty practical of like, well, uh, I can't remember the exact lines, but the clone's discussing like, uh, he is dangerous. How are we going to get him safely, you know, in, in the hands of, you know, where he should be? We, we can technically 
execute them. Let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think it, it goes back to fear, right? Like, yeah. Rex doesn't want to just, he doesn't want to break his code. And like, yeah, if, if he was on top of me and about to cut my head off, I would shoot him in the face without question. If he was on the rampage and about to put a lightsaber through fives, I would shoot him without question because I have a code. Mm-hmm. But he isn't, you know, he is a prisoner and this is an execution. He's, and he's that's a- not my code, right? And that's where Anakin breaks. And Anakin's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, yeah. and this is a question about will Rex break? And he doesn't. It, it leaves it open for interpretation because Dogma takes the choice away. And I'm, yeah, and that's I'm what's not- on the table. And I'm not rooting against Dogma in that moment either. <laughs> no, you're not. You know, no. I mean, especially the first time I watched it, I was so emotional of like that. Krell was such a just bleep. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I I would have been like, is this interactive? Can I press the button to shoot him? <laughs> like it worked on me. Yeah. But that's the life lesson of Star Wars. Of like, you know, it, it's one thing to feel those emotions in you know a joking way on your couch. Yeah, yeah. But when you're in that actual position, you know, what do you choose? Yeah. What? Yeah. What do you choose? Uh, absolutely. What do you do? And 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 Dogma's still in custody at the end of the episode, right? If I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dogma's arrested. Dogma's ar- is arrested indeed. So yeah, but again, yeah, again, and uh, uh, you know who's who's here in the in their ear? Do it. Uh, and, and who's gonna actually pull the trigger? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then I'm sorry, you got me thinking there because then it's like also like he's Krell's also just revealed. He hasn't said there's this guy Sidious who's palpitating because he probably doesn't know that. But like he doesn't seem to wanting to be Dooku's apprentice. Yeah, and you know, and I think we're we're familiar enough with Dooku by this point in the Clone Wars. Uh, not you know, tactic clones. He's still a political idealist. But uh, <laughs> we, you know, but um, you know, he's got maybe got some information, and it's like, are you giving away? You know, you know, could you get that out of him? And he, it's maybe the Jedi's. Pro- there's a lot of those kind of questions there that I think would have uh, gone through Rex's head. But he got there. Yeah. He almost. Was there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's that's just our interpretation. It, it yeah. is up for grabs. Uh, I wanted to pick up on this thread that you talked about, because it's one of the other the big themes to me, is just, like, the horror of war. Like, it's certainly been episodes of, of the Clone Wars where some of the action is a little bit more like, let's have fun with the adventure serial, and other action scenes are like, let's remind you this is pretty awful. <laughs> and yes. this, uh, this whole arc is, let's remind you this is pretty awful. Uh, starting from this point that I hadn't, you know, really paid a lot of attention to, the shift in what the Republic is doing early on in the Clone Wars, they are answering calls for help. They are defending medical facilities. Uh, now they want a remote hyperspace lane, not even a mm-hmm. major one. And so they are invading this planet. Yeah. Against the wishes of the people who live there. This is, this isn't like them like, Hey, Geonosis, um, you are producing the droids. <laughs> yeah, you slaughtered. Uh, you you brought people to arena to be publicly killed for entertainment. <laughs> yeah, this is. Hey, Barnes, you live here. You made a choice. You sided with the separatists, and we're here to take your planet and shoot yeah. you in the face. Yeah, yeah. No, even if we're gonna get to our some of our favorite action moments. I found it uh, more difficult to write them down. Any any time I did, I was like, I'm not here to celebrate as much as I it would in the past. That it's fun playground Star Wars action. Oh, he jumped on a spider droid and shot him. Yay. This, I mean, there was that one shot where the, the couple shots of, of that are like blasters, you know, the perspective of the Umbaran being shot. But there's one, I think it's Rex walks by because he got the little pistols and just shoots a guy on the ground. 
And I'm yep. like, when? It's just, and it's, and, and again, this, this, uh, you know, to have Walter Murch come in for even just one of these episodes. And I, I, I made a joke, but it's like, I, I almost, I almost can hear the Hendrix playing in the background as uh, <laughs> Napalm explodes around it. I mean, it's, it's serious stuff here. Uh, it will use using the, the, the Star Wars action we love. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is uh, in, in many ways not subtle, which is great. I love that uh, the narrator describes it in one of the openings as a hostile planet completely enshrouded in darkness. <laughs> yeah. Right? They are, they are heading into the unknown. Everything is a visual metaphor. Everything is dark. Yeah. It's creeping and crawling. Uh, they don't understand the place that they are in, uh, a place that they, you know, are arguably don't have a moral right to be in, but they're following orders of the larger war. Yeah. Um, you know, and the Umbarans are using every advantage of this, uh, you know, natural world and, and their different technology that they understand. Uh, there's so much there that really kind of reinforces like the, ooh, you know, this is way mm. different than, you know, they, they shoot a battle droid and he goes, oh, no, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and to, to your point about just kind of the, um, the Walter Merch of it all, there's that shot uh, where Poncrell is watching the battle and you just see the fire reflected in his eyes <laughs> that is such a just like yeah. i like mm-hmm. violence shot you know yeah it's uh yeah it's uh it's an i love the smell of napalm in the mor- morning moment i thought you know yeah again, i know that's he didn't write or direct that one but i just yeah it, it and it's funny because star wars is uh because of lucas's influences gets you know attached to a lot of other film genres and specific films and stories i think the world war ii one comes up a lot correctly from the sense of you know lucas put those uh, the world war ii dogfighting footage into you know animatics to here here's how the death star trench run or the escape from the death star, death star should go new and hope but let's not forget he was mostly commenting on i thought i think vietnam <laughs> all through yes. a lot of star wars so it all kind of uh, this really tracks, and this is this, this is a creator who wanted Apocalypse Now, was planning to do that story and take that take that film. Uh, he and Kurtz, uh, so uh, it, and oddly enough, this is why this is why I think this these four episodes really, really just go. Yeah, that Clone Wars thing you wanted to see, yeah, we're gonna give it to you, and it's not gonna be as uh, lighthearted as you'd think. Yeah, yeah, this is one of those episodes that's like, yeah, remember that uh, it's not just that Sidious tricks the Jedi Order sixty six; it's that like. They are slipping into as a government, as you know, uh, an army, doing things that are like, do we really want to be doing this? Um, yeah, it, this is this is dark Endor, <laughs> you know. Uh, Endor is the story of the the cute bears who uh, you know understand their environment better than the invading army. And you're watching this and you're rooting for Rex because he's a good guy and the clones and there are heroes. This is called the Clone Wars, and then you're like, wait, this is dark Endor. <laughs> the Umbarans are the Ewoks. I love that George is sitting around in that wood paneling uh, office up there. I think I know it's not wood paneling, but it's always dark and wood in those <laughs> Clone Wars conference rooms meetings that we see clips of it. He's like, all right, so uh, no one got my point of Endor because I made the bears too cute. Uh, can, can we do it again? <laughs> and from a different perspective where the, the heroes are the invading army. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I got some other uh, thoughts on uh, kind of big picture stuff that it, that it ties to. Do you yeah. have other, other thematic ideas? I mean, a lot of it, it's funny. It's, 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 it's uh, you know, four episodes and there's a lot to process. It all just kind of does flow nicely into some of these big things. We've been talking about identity and duty and honor, hope versus fear, the big star Wars thing leading from the front and all those kind of things we're talking about. But yeah, then it really starts to spin into to star Wars's bigger picture. So I'm happy to jump into that with you there. Awesome. So one of the things that I 
we talk about a lot on Four Center is a kind of big overall theme of Star Wars is this sort of the rigid versus the organic. And I think that expresses itself in lots of different ways. Uh, but this episode I, or this arc, I thought was just it, it was everywhere. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's discussing, you know, societies, communities, but armies in, in particular that, of course, order is needed for armies to function. You know, if you have a hundred soldiers yeah. and you need a hundred to take that hill, you can't have 27 of them going, I'd rather take a break. You know, like, right. Order is needed. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you, you've got that rigidity. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it gets brought up again and again in different ways. Like uh, there's that joke early on where Anakin kind of teases Rex about how one clone is kind of wound tight, kind of like Rex. And then Rex says like, uh, I used to be wound tight like dogma. And you get yeah. that suggestion that Rex has grown mm-hmm. and become more organic and flexible. Uh, we, we see Anakin and Rex s- just seamlessly together adapt to the situation, being, being really flowing and organic within the rigidity, right? And then once you get Krell there, you know, everything is, is rigid and nothing is creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all of the victories that the clones end up having when they disobey Krell are because they're being organic, they're being creative, right? They're coming up with creative solutions, even using a bendy tree, yeah, <laughs> you know, to get to uh, the victory point of the airbase. You know, mm. uh, five speech is even like uh, this triumph of the flowing in the organic in, in order to avoid his own execution, right? Yeah. Is reminding them that we are individuals and we have uh, choices. Um, Top, who has been kind of on the fence, He's the one who comes up with a creative, organic uh, plan to stop Krell by trapping him with the Vixus. And then uh, for me, on top of all of this, uh, the Umbarans, everything that they have is much more connected to the Earth, right? Yeah. All of their tech is more organic, right? That that, uh, it's called the... uh, impending assault tank <laughs> or yeah. um, barn crawler tank is it's a it's a caterpillar you know <laughs> it, it's it's just a to- it's burrowing literally in the earth uh, their their ships are, mm-hmm. are intuitive right their ships feel more like you know giving a good massage than flying a ship right like yes. it, everything about it is you know uh far less rigid and far more organic and intuitive and connected to the earth so i just thought this rigid versus organic was there everywhere I love it because I, I saw a lot of it too, and just it, some of the simple stuff with Krell, of how he doesn't even think soldiers can adapt to becoming pilots. He, has, he leaves no room for growth, and this idea that leaders need, need to give people enough room to grow and be themselves, which might include some mistakes, risks, or questions, uh, while also maintaining the order. So I think that kind of falls in that same bucket of 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 uh, of the organic versus flowing, rigid versus uh, organic. All those wonderful Star Wars themes. Yeah, yeah. That Rex's line is, my men may not be pilots, sir, but they're able to learn and adapt quickly. A few of them have already demonstrated that. <laughs> yeah. And Krell's just like, nope. <laughs> yeah. So what were some uh, big ideas uh, for you that reflected larger Star Wars storytelling and perspective? Yeah, just, yeah, we're, we're telling these, um, you know, these big stories, uh, the, the, the Star Wars. Uh, and so this has a lot of the effects of war on everyone. Uh, there's a, a thing at the end with Krell when he's kind of uh, justifying his uh, horrendous actions, and he's like, "This is the price of such victory," and that's this this thing, this shield you can almost put up to uh, 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 you know keep you safe from uh, critiques of of these 
dangerous actions and, and goes back to this big question of well, who you're protecting. You, you're, you're protecting maybe a republic, but you're also, as a leader, got to protect those who are uh, fighting with you and for you and, and working with you there. Uh, so it's just seeing the effects, long-term effects, because I, I'm i curious, I, we don't have much more Krell uh, storytelling. He's referenced a few times, re- referenced in Dark Disciple, I believe. Um, but we don't have a lot to analyze of who he was. Again, I get he probably was always a little, always a little grumpy. Uh, probably, probably I get it. And I respect that. Me and David Harbour respect that. But I, I you know, what this was uh, the effect on him on what this carnage has done and this fear of losing power. He is, Krell has that. He even he, it's the Dooku, Christopher Lee describing Dooku as he's a, he's amoral. He's concerned about his own power, almost to the point of fighting for the side that will help him win in a way. Now that I think Dooku would have gone back to the Jedi, but just like Krell echoes that. It's like mm-hmm. Jedi. I'm, I've moved beyond that silliness. Oh, I'm for myself and for power and doesn't want to lose it. And, and that to me, he lost his soul at some point uh, out of fear, out of the fear of losing power. And that's an unintended consequence of the war. We often think of it's just on the battlefield in Star Wars. I think especially when it gets a chance to when these more TV, TV shows or later you know, books or something where you can spend a little more time versus a two and a half hour block of box box office, uh, you know, big tent filmmaking there. I do love when they go in on this and 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 ask you what is, all right yeah what is the price of such victory we got a lot of different answers here in these episodes uh, I I love everything you're saying here I think that's one of the reasons that this always pops in my mind is the Pong Krell arc because that turn right at the end <laughs> yeah is so uh, um it's so powerful to me is somebody who's always wants more Jedi stories of individuality it's it's what. Mm-hmm. The High Republic is doing so well. The Clone Wars does do it uh, sometimes, particularly with somebody like Quinlan Voss. Is like he's way out there, but he's a, he's a good Jedi, but he's his own dude. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just like your opinion, man. Yeah, but but with Pong Krell, right? Like we know uh, the various Jedi who fell to the Sith and all that, but um, but this is really like when Yoda says the shroud of the the dark side has fallen. You know, it's yes. like there are many many impacts of that. And this is a little bit headcanon for me um, because mm-hmm. we don't know a lot about Pong Krell, but the way I always kind of interpreted just as, you know, I've had a vision was like, yeah, this is maybe a Jedi who had some issues with order and control and was, you know, mm-hmm. not great with that stuff, but you can slide by with that in the order. Yeah. Uh, and a vision of the truth of the yeah. horror broke him. Yes. You know, and, and that vision wouldn't have come if this, future wasn't coming if if the jedi hadn't played into mm. sidious's hands mm-hmm. mm. i love i love shroud of the dark side that's good example um we've been talking about the the dark side the dark versus the light goes down to these micro levels of of choices and will, will you lie on that paperwork if so power <laughs> interested in your employment uh, a lot of things like that and yeah fast i'd love to get can we can we is, can we get a Krell one-shot comic of young Krell's <laughs> fights today or something? <laughs> I would love some more some more Krell well, content. I, again, going back to that quote of just like, no, no, trust him. Number one, he's a Jedi. Two, he's, uh, he's a war hero. He's a war hero. Yeah. And uh, Yoda would say, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Wars don't make one great. It might be a little more than that. Yeah, I know. And when they're looking up, like, have you seen his casualty numbers? Like, it doesn't matter. He's a war hero. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point of, yeah, 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 you're right. How has he got there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I love that. Then there's a little connection to Sifo-Dyas as well, who's had some a little broken by visions, yeah. which you'll, we'll get to some Sifo-Dyas content here uh, soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on this, but I also just wanted to bring it up because it's such a big thing in Star Wars in general, but it, um, the Clone Wars is the humanity of the clones, um, yeah. for sure. The the fact that um, he insists by calling them by their numbers and uh, the that 
line from Corallo, CT7567, do you have a malfunction in your design? You know, mm. and uh, that moment Rex first gets mad and says, a plan that cost us men, then whips his helmet off so we see his face, not clones, men. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it's so powerful, and it, it is it, it pops up throughout this episode that uh, yes. it seems like maybe Krell, even before he entirely broke, just didn't respect them. They were they were they were expendable experiments from a test tube, mm-hmm. not beings, not sentient beings. You know. Well, yeah, and, and we've tracked that a little bit with some of the Jedi along the way, and it's one of the differences between Anakin and, I would argue, Ahsoka as well than, you know, uh, than some of the others. But I, I there was, uh, towards the end there, I noticed it more on the second view, and he, he instead of saying, like, died, killed, he says, like, de- decommissioned or destroyed, as if they're, like, you know, take them out back, uh, the, the, the photocopier that's not working, and destroy it. It's just this machine it's this thing it's doesn't it has no use to us anymore and and that popped out to me a lot more in the second view and it's just like yeah he, he, he can't even admit that they're dead they're destroyed decommissioned tools yeah they're like the att you know how, how many tanks did you lose how many clones yeah same mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um it, it, other thoughts for you well out of that the final one i had is um a theme and also but ask this big question of just what will be the clone's identity after the war. They start asking that more than I can remember in the past here on the Clone Wars mm-hmm. and leading up to a season five, leading up to six, and then, of course, season season seven. And you're right, Bad Batch, which deals with that a lot. Uh, I just thought this was, uh, it was, they, they kind of even end the episode in that kind of tone of like, well, we got through this. What's going to happen to us after all this? We are tools for this war. We're fighting to find ourselves within that, but has anyone ever thought about that? And I just thought it, I thought it's a great big um, question to push the story forward. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I have given proper weight in, in my thinking about these episodes uh, to that end beat, right. That it, it's mm-hmm. got that great, like, okay, the war's going to end. And then what happens to us? Uh, but even that beat before that, right. Where Rex seems like he is truly questioning, not the individual commands, but the war, right? Like it feels like there's this nice grace note where the episode, it doesn't overly point it out, but it's there if you look for it. This is an invasion and really seems like Rex has come to actually question uh, not just this individual mission uh, because it is dubious or all of the losses because of Krell, but the war itself uh, with questioning why are we fighting this whole war, which leads to Five's great thought about it will that war will end so what will happen to us then yeah yeah hey after graduation are we all still gonna be friends yeah (laughs) yeah giant ramifications uh, going forward yeah and i just like seeing that growth from rex to like uh question orders question missions question the whole war of like is this all worth it what did we accomplish this time really in the grand scheme of things Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last thing for me is just to, to point out kind of a, a big thing that always happens in Star Wars. There is often this real questioning of organizations. Uh, you know, the prequels are really about uh, the failures of systems from the government to the Jedi. Um, and, and Lucas has fought many well-documented real-life battles against studios, directors guilds the ton of uh, various government boards and councils blocked his narrative art museum uh, this is a real <laughs> yeah. lucas theme of saying hey question organizations because they're built by individuals and and they can rot yeah yeah uh, he, he's got some thoughts on 
He does. And, and, he does. And, and I mean that in a serious way. Yeah. And and this is, um, I really think um, this is, I, I was talking um, recently with some other folks about, you know, Star Wars TV versus Star Wars movies and and how, yeah, look, I, I'm always going to want to see Star Wars in a movie theater. And I think that's um, kind of where a lot of my emotions uh, go to as a Star Wars fan. But man, TV, it's already proven it can work because George and, and the team that he commissioned uh, really showed us you can take the time to ask these big questions on a uh, weekly seasonal basis. Yes, that is for kids of all ages. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. With, uh, even when the episodes are scary like this one. All right. We are going to take a break and then we're going to get into some of those scary moments. Tons of action. Still some comedy and whimsy and some great connections to larger Star Wars lore and canon. We'll be back in just a moment to discuss all of that. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. <laughs> A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So let's discuss some of our favorite action moments in this great, exciting arc of the Clone Wars. Ken, did you have some favorite action moments, dark, dark action moments? Yes, uh, I did. Uh, I mean, yeah, but again, I'm not, I'm not just I'm not just saying it. There's a couple times it's like, that was cool. Oh, wait, yeah, I get there's some more serious stuff going on beyond these episodes. So um, I'll, I'll say here, um, I'll start here. Uh, the, the opening approach is that's this Vietnam connection. It The the, the lats, for the first time, I think, uh, that I can remember when I first watched this, it, they remind me of, of Huey's, the helicopters in Vietnam, just mm-hmm. the, the the newsreel footage we've all you know grown up uh, or heard stories for if you had family members that served there. And, and uh, it just had that vibe, which one hand is like, oh, cool, military action, pew, pew, pew. And other, other times it was it was quite a statement to start. It was like, Here, here's what we're doing. Are you ready? Because this is what we're going. Yeah, no, I was right there with you. It's aesthetically gorgeous. To just the shots of uh, the yeah, the Republic gunships, the lats uh, descending into the darkness and <laughs> needing to have their headlights on, right? Yeah. And then you know, once they land, uh, man, it's great to have um, earphones in and uh, the captions on. Mm-hmm. It really drives home that the clones didn't choose this battle, but they're in it, right? And they got to be in it. And they're shouting things like "Wipe them out!" That's the stuff, and like, yeah, eh, those aren't battle droids. Yeah, <laughs> those are the yeah. people who live on this planet. <laughs> it really, I mean, it's it's a great action moment because it is it's thrilling, but it tells this great story at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and right after that, after they land, what you're starting to talk about there is what I call the charge of the ATRTs. Just you don't really see them get their due in Star Wars. They're there. They're always there in the battles. But this is just like, yeah, this is a tool we'd like to use. And it was kind of, like you said, aesthetically pleasing as well. Yeah. And oh, the sounds on those ATRTs mm-hmm. is they're they're hopping around little little weird bunnies of death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bunnies of death. Uh, yeah. So the, right there with you with that. <laughs> what's your uh, what's another one for you? Look, as a fan of the Y-Wings, I will point out they have a quite impressive napalm-like bombing run. <laughs> yes, and they do. All along the Watchtower started playing, but uh, it's, uh, you know, hey, I love my Y-Wings. Got to shout it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really love that moment where they first encounter the Vixis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I love Fives uh, throwing a, a detonator, a thermal detonator, to the Blixis's other tentacle, so it, or Vixis, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it brings it into its own mouth. Uh, yeah. like, clever Fives, clever. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love a good, uh, 
open maw trying to eat you in Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. But it was just, it was great because like, yeah, he could have just tried to chuck it into the maw, but that idea of like, uh, feed, here, I'll feed you. Yeah. <laughs> Bring yeah. it into your own maw. Yeah. Hey, look, these uh, Vixes, they're just trying to, they're just living their lives, man. Come on, man. But, yeah. I mean, they're just sitting there waiting for somebody to walk by. They're just doing their yeah. thing. Yeah. Just doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also really love the design of those um, impending assault tanks or Umbarn crawler tank. Uh, yeah. Man, when they first uh, burst out, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot they got attacked by the beast. Like, no, wait, those aren't beasts. Those right. are tanks with the rotating blasters on the top uh, in just uh, the burrowing, uh, the exploding up out of the earth. And mm. then in particular, the scuttling along. There's a couple of shots where they're yeah. just. They're just coming at them and, you know, and yep. they're trying to blast them and it's not making any difference. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it is just, it's so terrifying to have a n- enormous creepy crawly bug racing at our heroes. Yeah. I, 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 the entire Caterpillar tank sequence, man, I wrote down, it's just like, it, you got to do a tip of the cap. Cause I too had for this particular episode, I had my headphones on uh, trying not to uh, annoy Grace uh, uh, with too much Star Wars in the house. Um <laughs> But just the pounding, the sound design, the pounding of the feet, it really, it was a very effective thing. And it ends with that Rex riding the waves of an explosion. Uh, it's, it's, it was a pretty impressive action sequence. Yeah, absolutely great stuff. Um, I also really love, it's a action, but also some comedy. Uh, when Fives and Hardcase initially steal the Embarn ships and are trying to take off in just <laughs> the last spinning. Time- <laughs> like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah the laughter is really great like, yeah, there, there's another great moment of of uh, clone individuality mm-hmm. when Hardcase is just saying uh, that's how I am <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, but mm-hmm. I it was so cathartic for me because I want to play the game I want to finish it sometime but watching Fives and Hardcase try to fly those ships that's me playing squadrons yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I'm just not, I don't come to it naturally and I'm only going to get good at it with, you know, hours of training. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that, that and, weird contrast between like, great, we are in these ships. Let's zip forward. And like, oh, we can't even fly straight. Am I upside down? Like, that's so, so amount, great. The amount of times during squadrons, I yelled to my TV, why is the Star Destroyer upside down? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what are some other moments for you? Uh, I put down uh, is particularly the first episode, but I'm, I'm sure it was present in the in the rest of it. I just it didn't jump out as much. Uh, there was some of the action sequences. I mean, because you know, they're, again, they're overwhelming. It's the Castle War. There's this general, general, like subtle shaking of the camera during a lot of the action. It's very, it's you kind of mm. see it's just like it's kind of there, and it's kind of adding to the the sense of what is going on and the the overwhelming nature of it all. And I just like that kind of a choice. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, One of my other favorite action moments from the later episodes is it's kind of an action moment, but it's also a uh, (laughs) a de-accelerating from action. Rex running through all that blaster fire yelling, Mm. we're all clones, we're all clones. And you almost get that sense that uh, I kind of thought it was an action line because you got that tension of, of, is he going to be able to stop this? But also like, he is willing to just throw himself into blaster fire because what is happening yeah. is so wrong, right? Totally. Uh, so you have that great tension of is Rex going to get, <laughs> you know, uh, shot down, uh, caught in this blaster fire. But just that the power of whipping off the helmet and, and screaming, we're all clones. It's like the moment where like everything for Rex, I think, kind of snaps into place. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Waxer there. 
I yeah. love that. Yeah, the whole spider cannon sequence, which includes the the comment during the ships. Uh, and sh- uh, yeah, the the Umbaran technology, which includes those ships, uh, the wings move kind of almost organically when the ship lands and everything about it. It's 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 for it's really underrated for Star Wars in terms of Star Wars designs. Uh, I, I'd love to get a little bit more. I mean, the the, the biggest Umbaran we know is Sly Moore. We haven't spent a lot of time with the Umbarans and <laughs> maybe have a bad reputation because of uh, of Sly. But um, I really loved a lot of the designs and then how it played in the action sequences. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there, there's just something about it, too, of like, you know, it, flying those ships is not, you know, smashing a button. <laughs> right. It's like it, it, it's dancing. You know, I love that. It's um, yeah. Uh, I, of course, want to talk about the brutal, extended uh, march of death that Ponkrell mm-hmm. <laughs> inflicts on the clones. But anything else before we get to that? Um, no, no. There's a little moment in terms of just little action uh, when um, uh, Jesse and, and Hardcase and Fives are, are, are flying up and they enter the battle and the clouds kind of part and there's this whole space battle going on. It just was it was beautiful in its own uh, horrific way. And I uh, just kind of like that. It was, yeah, and they're like, oh wow, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's actually that one moment there where I think they, the, the ships all turn in unison, and it's so floaty and graceful. Yeah, there's a ton of great yeah. moves in that sequence. Beautiful in its own way. Yep. Yeah. All right. Shall we go to hell with Pong Krell? Yeah, I wrote down brutal and brave, so that's a title for our essay on <laughs> the carnage of Krell. Yeah, it, that is one of the greatest moments for me of Star Wars tension of like, as action scene. It is cool. It is, you know, especially when this, when I first saw this and we hadn't had as many different sort of um, looks in on Order 66, uh, which we have now more in in comics and on screen and in video games to see like, oh, wow, what happens when a Jedi is ready for the clones? (laughs) Yes. Ready and willing to kill them. So there's, there's this part of it that's like, cool. He's got two double-bladed lightsabers. A Dexter Jetster guy is killing clones with yeah. two double-bladed lightsabers. It's like, it is cool, but it's also so brutal because he is so in the wrong and the clones are so in the right. Uh, yeah. But it's still thrilling. Uh, it 100% is. Uh, and a lot of uh, for the, some of the force powers Carl has and everything. And, and I love that you you bring it up like, you know, or Kiati Monday uh, turns around and is oopsie, and uh, you know Ayla Sakura is not even paying attention, and uh, <laughs> you know it's it's part of the tragedy there, uh, and 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 what could happen, and but also just Krell being fueled by his fear and his rage and his, his darkness. Uh, it, it was a, in some of the shots too, um, reminded me that it's one of my favorite things about the, the Vader hallway sequence I've talked about before is like yeah everything that you see, but there's also that one shot kind of after the main sequence where Vader's in the hallway and it's more light and it's almost more realistic that this monster's just sl- slashing people in half. And there are some longer shots, almost if it was in the background where the clones are contemplating what to do, where you just see Krell maybe through the binoculars, just like chopping people down and just kind of with the glee in his eye. And it was kind of even more scary for me than the up close stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple of specific beats uh, that big force push in the office, you know, that's, you know, uh, it, Sometimes when the Jedi are surrounded, I'm like, why don't they do just do a big force push <laughs> in all directions? So it's nice. Uh, it was nice. It's a cool action beat to see. Uh, and then I think for me, maybe the most brutal part is uh, there's the double stab behind the back. Mm. And then he just drops his lightsabers for no reason other than it feels like he just wants to more viscerally feel the violence, which yeah. is so horrible and leads to that, you know, uh bringing up his knee and smashing the clone down on it, which is 
perhaps the most yeah. vicious thing. Oh yeah, good yeah, backbreak. Uh, just yeah, yeah. Everything about it. And there's a, that part of that sequence where his voice. I call it the horror Krell voice sequence, where it is just like a horror movie. Yeah, it's red tone and his voice is projected through it all. It's it's uh, it's frightening and laughing and glee. Yeah, yeah. And, and then of course for me the 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 part that makes makes me feel a little better. Tup's great move with the Vixus and everything with that is so great. Yeah, yeah. I like Tup. Yeah, and and the, just the simplicity of you know. Boop <laughs> with yeah. the stun uh, blast Boop. after all of that. It's all it took. All it took. Yeah. Just many dead. And uh, my final one for me, though, I do, you know, we talked about the philosophical debate you could have at the moment uh, if you're a clone, but, uh, you know, dogma fire in the shot. There you go. That's some action that uh, ends the ends the hell. It's a, it is a great moment to have that contrast between this sort of like operatic heightened nature of mm-hmm. you know discussions of uh morality and power of the force and i am unstoppable and you are too fr- and then it's so just a uh, pedestrian right it's just yeah. so like oh there's a tiny little sizzle hole <laughs> yeah you know it, it's it's it, uh, one of those moments where star wars benefits from being really heightened and then having a moment of you know kind of realistic violence like not yeah. obviously it's a it's a blaster to a big alien dude but that same way like you know, when you have the un- unfortunate situation to like see somebody get punched in real life, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a big moment. It's this sad, mm-hmm. gross whap, you know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's flat and period, that's it. And, and the, the way that blaster shot is just so sort of like anticlimactic. Yeah. Is really powerful. Good punch is like a side of bacon, drop it on your kitchen floor. Just a <laughs> subtle smacking. Yeah. 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 And unpleasant, much like dropping bacon. And much like dropping bacon. Uh, any other action moments before we move on? Uh, no, let's get on to the um, just comedy that just poured out of these episodes. Just just dripping with whimsy, right? Uh, what were some moments of uh, comedy or I, whimsy that I you did, enjoyed? Yeah, I did like Hard Case at the beginning or the Vixus sequence just going, that's not right. Just, <laughs> that's because uh, it's not right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked uh, the little bit of uh, banter right at the top between Anakin and Obi-Wan of, uh, does my battalion have to do everything? And Obi-Wan saying, you seem to always volunteer. Yeah, love that, love that. (laughs) Yep, yep. Uh, And then uh, this moment with uh, Krell, I can't believe I'm giving a moment of whimsy to Krell, but it did make me laugh. It it was uh, whimsical within being a giant jerk is uh, when he, those animals attack and the clones understandably shoot at them and then he just jumps up and slaughters them. <laughs> he says, anyone else want to stop and play with the animals? I'm with you. I wrote that down too because I was like, all right, you know, look, when you're funny, you're funny. All right. Fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying for a ticket to Krell's comedy show, but uh, that was funny. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Krell's got a, yeah, yeah, he's he's got a good 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, I like that. And then, yeah, like later on, kind of uh, five to Rex after Krell's kind of like, all right, I've acknowledged some of what you've done is good. And he's like, I think he almost complimented you. I, uh, I like that too. <laughs> That's really great. Uh, there's a hard case line, which is brutal, but it made me laugh is when he's firing away uh, with the big blaster. He says, make them eat heat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is a good one. And uh, I like the, I uh, don't feel like we hear very often in Clone Wars, uh, sort of uh, Star Wars Galaxy possible swears. Uh, mm-hmm. So I liked it when the one clone, uh, I didn't track which one, said, uh, uh, oh, Scrag at seeing Scrag. the Embarren, uh tanks. I'd like to see Scrag have a comeback. Dank Dank Farrick is great. Um, we hear we hear that a lot now, and then I love a good Dank Farrick reference. But Scrag, I want I want Scrag. 
We got Dank Ferrick. We got Carabast. Let's throw some Scrag in there. Yeah. 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 Holy Scrag. Yeah. Um, uh, more for you? Uh, I mean, I think the main event, I mean, you mentioned Hard Case and Five. Anytime they're learning to fly, that's twice in the story. They're trying to learn to fly. It was really fun. Um, I actually enjoyed that. Uh, hard Case is kind of, uh, rest in peace, Hard Case. Uh, he had some fun lines all the way through it. But you and I got to talk about the, the, the battle droid humor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. The, the break time is over back to work which is funny enough but then the two clones are like tired and exhausted as if they experience physical pain <laughs> you mean the two battle droids the two the two uh, see, yeah two battle droids uh yeah the two battle yeah. droids there i sound like krell for a second um yeah i just thought that was just a funny moment of uh, the one battle droid there with his head hung over like oh long day at the office <laughs> yeah the 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 perspective of the battle droids that they're like much like the clones are just like i we didn't choose this i mean just we're we're literally programmed uh this way um yeah it's very funny and especially shocking after you've been spending time with the umbarns who are it's very different adversary than the battle mm-hmm. droids mm-hmm. yeah that was absolutely great um I did like the specific conversation between Hardcase uh, and Fives uh, when they were on their way to to try to sneakily infiltrate the base. <laughs> and Hardcase says, uh, "My commander on Camino said my growth acceleration chamber had a leak." <laughs> That's true. It's just it's just a great moment of uh, individuality, right? Yeah, being yeah. I mean, like kind of almost being proud of it. Like, I, I, yeah, I'm different. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, it's it's it, we aren't all the same. We yeah. literally had different life experiences and you know, I am who I am. <laughs> I'm trying. I am. So I am. Yeah. Last one for me is, uh, I liked it. Uh, when Jesse said, uh, when they were flying up to take out the supply ship, you know, I'm only doing this because I don't like him. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yep. Take that Pong Krell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Made your space bed. Now you can lie in it. Uh, any other moments for you? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some lighter episodes um, soon. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, very, very soon. Uh, we'll move on to some star Wars canon lore connections to other stories. Uh, we had some species, uh, some aliens, uh, heavily featured in this arc, uh, the Umbarans, of course, mm-hmm. uh, we have seen them before. Uh, me Dici is featured in the clone wars. He's the right. Senator from Umbara. Uh, and then of course, uh, we have Sly Moore, uh, the famous aide. Uh, to Palpatine. Uh, in Jedi Fallen Order, there is the gang leader of the Haxian Brood, whose name is Sork Tormo. So we definitely have seen some Umbarans. Do you want to see more, Ken? I do. I get why they were not the focal point of this episode in terms of we're not going to their camp and, and getting their thoughts on the war and the clones. I understand that. It was uh, it, it kind, of, kind of sets you up for, oh, we're, we're here on the Republic side and that's where we're approaching these episodes. And then we dive into the meanings behind it all. So I, I didn't need it here, but I would like to, I'm fascinated. It's such great design. The the roadway that has, it's like fluorescent lights that you got the, 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 the crabs that are kind of like, are the, are the crab flying crabs uh, half mechanical or that, is that just kind of the way the planet is it hey, there's a lot of questions about it and i love the design and it's very more it's very very much more sci-fi and and uh you know earth alien style in a way uh not saying they are but like the, the designs uh you know it's close encounters of the third kind kind of vibe and and i really like that so yeah i'm happy to revisit that planet let's go back there yeah absolutely i would love to see it in some live action things uh you know because there's something so cool about it is even if their technology isn't entirely like 
based or powered by the planet, there's just this sort of philosophy of, you know, do you build architecture that resembles your planet or do you, you fight it, right? And they're just yeah. so in line with it. Like you see those plants that are like, they're mostly dark and twisty, but then they have this kind of neon pop at the tip, you know? And then the road mm -hmm. is exactly the same way. It's mostly dark, but then it has these glowing lines, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Road, yeah. Great road design. Yeah. It just really underrated. And, and, and a shout out to the, you know, the design teams and the concept artists and everything that go, like, a lot of work goes in each episode with this we know. Uh, but I thought that I just want to highlight how great it was. Very imaginative. Yeah, absolutely beautiful and really helped to make these episodes, I think, what they are. Uh, then, of course, we have the Basilisk. Uh, yeah. So, of course, uh, very famously, Dexter Jetster. Uh, the species has made many other appearances in books and comics. Uh, but, you know, Dexter's uh, the uh, the big one. Do you think Ponkrell ever went to Dex's diner? I absolutely think he did. I think Kenobi tried to bring him there. And I don't think Krell got along with Dex. And I think it because no. Krell was probably intimidated, you know, uh, who's this guy? I'm the only best look around here. Like, I, I think there were some problems. Yeah, absolutely. How do you how do you feel now? And honestly, when, the, when you first saw it, how did you feel about, you know, Dexter back in the day uh, for, you know, particularly for people who grew up with the original trilogy and were kind of salty about the prequels? Right. Uh, maybe not one of the favorite features of Attack of the Clones back in the day. Did you feel that way? Were, did this? Were you shocked to be like uh, the most terrifying Jedi I've ever seen is a Dexter Jetster? <laughs> no, I, I I can't remember my exact memories. Other than I think I liked it, and I think by the you know at around this time the Clone Wars is getting me to reevaluate the prequels, and I'm still doing it privately, secretly in, in the comfort of my own home, so no one will see my shame. Right? Uh, <laughs> I can't admit I might like the prequels back in 2011, and I think I took it very well. I think it was it was like a. I, but I, I think if I'm being honest, I probably took it more of like, oh, see, they made they made it they made it cooler. I've always been a fan of Dexter, and I stand by that. I always have kind of liked the sequence more than other folks did, even back in the day. But you know what I mean? I've taken it like, oh, he's not a cook; he's a Jedi. Like I think I probably looked at it like that, and I thought it was a good use of this character. Yeah, I thought it was just one of those great moments of, um, you know, the the just having such great variety, right? Of Dexter Jester's this very specific character who's been poked fun at for you, like. He's got four arms and he uses one to pull up his pants, you know, in mm -hmm. uh, a just the kind of next major on-screen appearance of that, <laughs> yeah. that kind of character being entirely different character is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on then to the Vixis, uh, according to Star Wars Visual Dictionary, uh, the Vixis shared a common ancestor with the Rathtar, Blixus, and Sarlacc all possessing a large maw, tentacles, and a voracious appetite. Each found on different worlds, the different species had adapted differently to become a great hunter in its specific environment. How do you feel about that? I kind of feel terrified. Again, these are just creatures <laughs> just living their lives, doing their things. Uh, you know, I'm someone who chases a spider out of the house and relocates it and doesn't kill it. So I, I try to respect these creatures doing their thing here, but uh, it's also terrified. I, it's the Sarlacc... The Rancor scared me in the moment, but I, I had nightmares of the Sarlacc. 3PO did not do me any favor, not do the Sarlacc any favors <laughs> by telling me I'd rotten there. So anytime I hear see any scar, uh, Sarlacc-like creature, maybe it's what maybe it ties into what, you know, I don't love the Rathtar sequence we've talked about for years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's some, maybe there's some deep-seated connection there, and the Vix is now just in that bucket of things I'm afraid of. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty rational to be afraid of uh, something that has huge tentacles that wants to pull you into its 
horrible gaping maw. <laughs> it's naturally a little bit uh, a little bit scary. Yeah. Uh, what I love about you know the Star Wars Visual Dictionary kind of trying to connect these uh, various uh, beasts. Uh, that have this similarity is like, okay, well, I guess, you know, the Vixus, we kind of see how that works. You come too close and it's going to have a meal. Blixus, similar. Uh, Sarlacc apparently gets fed plenty by Jabba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened in the evolution where the Rathtar was like, um, I guess we're going to have to roll around to find our food. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. They're like, look, we've just been hanging out in sand dunes. Even <laughs> even adding ourselves a tongue mouth did not help us. Uh, we, we need to roll. We need to some rolling balls of ma. Yeah. the Yeah. How would you have felt if uh, The Force Awakens comes out and Han Solo is like, yeah, I'm hauling some rolling Sarlax? It would not have been good. <laughs> nope. <laughs> agree with you there okay a uh, couple other things to talk about I just this was such a tribute to the clones obviously it was uh, their story uh, mm-hmm. framed through Rex but we got to know lots of the other clones and uh, a lot of them uh, we already know or will know more so I just wanted to run down them uh, quickly yeah. obviously we have Rex one of the main characters of the Clone Wars uh, we have Fives uh, he is one of the central clones of the animated series right we've followed him from training on Camino to becoming an ARC trooper to his uh, upcoming tragedy uh, yeah. in, in a little bit here. Uh, Tup also has great upcoming significance uh, in an upcoming ARC. Uh, hard case. Uh, we had met him uh, on Slukamai in the same ARC uh, where we met Cut the Quain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dogma only exists for this ARC, but great name, great purpose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesse, we also met on uh, Slukamai, uh, but man, for me, this was really powerful to rewatch this episode and go like, oh, he's going to hunt Ahsoka and Rex during Order 66. Right. Absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there more? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was I, I, I was curious about your thought on that, if that affected oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. All of it. Uh, the one I also love Jesse just is like, here's a light bulb. Here's Shooter. I'm Phil. It's it's always been fun. No, I, I do love the connections and and it's been fun to revisit the Clone Wars now with a lot more storytelling behind us all, but also just being able to track the clones. I didn't track that as much uh, back in the day. Uh, I, again, I'm making myself sound like Krell. They all were just the same to me. No, no, no. Um, you know, I know Rex, you know your Cody's, but uh, I, I love seeing where they pop up. And I love going back to Fives where they kind of reintroduce them up top as if he was the actor that left the show to go do a sitcom and then sitcom gets canceled. <laughs> so he goes back to the show that he was on. I uh, love that too. Fives is back. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. Um, uh, then Kix, the medic, I've been having fun following Kix. He, he pops up in some Clone Wars arcs, and uh, he actually pops up in this short story that things keep coming from when I research them. I got to read this eventually. Uh, it was in the General Force Awakens era. Uh, the the It's a, a Sedan Athano story called Crimson Corsair and the Lost Treasure of Count Dooku, and Kix actually pops up in that. Wow. Uh, one of the people reporting, uh, who, who we don't spend a lot of time with, uh, but I think he's reporting on how the, an aerial battle is going is, uh, Apo. Uh, mm. and that is the jerk who tells Bail Organa to leave in Revenge of the Sith. It is. He marches <laughs> into that temple with, uh, Anakin, right? Yeah. Yep. As a yep. commander. Woo. Yep. Uh, and then in that great Y-Wing bombing run, uh, we get a shout out to Oddball, yeah. um, who is uh, featured in a couple places. He pops up in the Clone Wars uh, film as a, as a pilot, and then he's in Revenge of the Sith as well. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, the poor clone 
uh, from Obi-Wan's group from the 212th who dies is Waxer, who we met as the team of Waxer and Boyle uh, befriending Numa on Ryloth. Absolutely. Very, very sad. So, yeah, just wanted to run down those connections. Any other specific connections uh, that you wanted to comment on? I, I love the moment, uh, if you're talking about just general canon connections, when five Fives to talk about his old buddy, little Anakin, blowing up the Trade Federation ship. It's <laughs> yes. great. And it's yes. great to, again, talk about justice for the prequels or, uh, you know, kind of legitimizing uh, uh, the Phantom Menace as a story, right? Of just like, that's history. That's what happened. That's 10 years ago. And we're almost, we're going to have some similar shots that we're going to see of them flying into the the Trade Federation or, the, or the, the supply ship, I should say, reminiscent of the Trade Federation ship with Anakin. I just love that little moment. It's very lived in history, lived in universe. And I, it, it was, it was a, dare I say, sweet moment in the darkness. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. He, the actual line is, uh, General Skywalker blew up a droid control ship when he was just a kid, and he told me the trick was hitting their main reactor from the inside. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's so great because it, it gives them, like, gives them in the audience of, like, okay, that's the plan. That's what they're going to do. That's how it's going to work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a the funny joke of, like, oh, really great, that easy. Uh, but it also paints this picture that's so important to this arc of, you know, there's that line at one point too of like, you know, yeah, but General Skywalker is always, you know, up in front leading us, not taking up the rear like Pong Krell. This is one of those lines that reinforces like Anakin and the clones are friends as well as yes. this military structure. And you can get this picture of like, well, when did he tell fives, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what hellscape were they, you know, trapped in or did, had they just won and they were, you know, sitting around and having a chat, like just that there's that level of like, friendship and connection that's implied by you know uh, fives in awe of his jedi general and going you did what when you were how old (laughs) total campfire conversation sitting around having a can of space beans talking about it i love it (laughs) yeah a great moment of space beans uh last thing for canon lore connections there were a couple of familiar lines um Mm, yeah that's right that's right hard case says uh, i prefer a good fight to all this sneaking around uh fives is totally bsing krell uh over comms and krell says who is this what's your ct number uh and then of course uh krell in a moment of absolute star wars villainy poetry says it's treason then yeah, yeah that, yes i loved all of them and some of them were homages versus quotes but that just like i love that that's in the sith or sith adjacent playbook yeah, it's it's just so great of like, well, yes, I have totally subverted uh, the system that you are honoring and, in fact, used your honor for it to hurt you. <laughs> but it's you who are disrespecting me by calling me on it. <laughs> it's treason, then. Yeah, and I did like, it's, it's you know, on the nose, but I did like, who is this? What's your CT number? Yeah, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I prefer this, uh, the, uh, prefer the fighting to all this run around. It's always, uh, yeah. always fun. Yeah, it fits Hardcase character, so fair enough. Was there anything in this big epic arc that you disliked or questioned? I mean, uh, no. I, I think I, I just uh, overall just love the, these arcs so much because of of the deep thoughts attached to them, and and how these episodes uh, can reward you with some some powerful questions. So I, I think it was generally handled uh, really well, and uh, for uh, dare I say, beautiful in their own way episodes, but or important episodes. So uh, I'm good with them. Yeah, absolutely. I did want to ask you this because I think I ultimately come down on being fine with it. Uh, This is a longer arc. It's four episodes. And so there's that part of me that goes, well, could it have been three? Because we do get these moments where 
it Krell is, you know, giving them kind of the same command of just like, uh, without recon or doing anything else clever, just march into the Maw of War. Um, and I think uh, I went into this going, ah, I wonder if the, I wonder if that's going to be a, a critique I have. But I think the repetition actually does make me feel it more. And it makes yeah. it makes me feel the horror of war more. And it makes me feel how much Rex and the rest of the clones are really trying to do what their leader says. Yeah, it's it's a fair note, and it's a fair note definitely for some of the other arcs. Uh, I know we talked about that some stuff in season seven, right? But um, I think you're right because it, it 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 instead of growing frustrated with just the pace of the story, I you you kind of continue to, to to grow frustrated uh, with, with Krell and and the whole system. Or I had a couple thoughts of isn't Kenobi tell tell Kenobi like why who's why, why are we not talking to anyone else? Uh, and, and yeah, so I think it, I think it's effective in that way. Yeah, and, and I do like that the comms go out right around the time that Rex would have been maybe like, eh, yeah, yeah. I'm maybe going to bring this up to Kenobi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm going to seek one more thing that I liked in this section <laughs> where, where I ask if there's anything we disliked. Yeah. The four episodes also made it, so we had two pretty close to actual cliffhangers, right? That first yeah. episode, we leave them on the road being shot at, and the last line is, I don't know, I'll get back to you if we survive this battle. Right. <laughs> and then the third episode is the... Uh, uh, Krell saying for crossing me you will pay the price and, and it's not really you know we still have the zoom out and the credits it's not yeah. the dun 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 or you know come back next week but in, in spirit they're cliffhangers and I love that it worked it worked well I, just, I watched the first time you know I, I watched it all in one order and that it just felt like a little little movie and I know you know season seven gets a lot of credit for uh, putting these little kind of movies out or and I think the last four episodes were intentionally kind of framed like like that, uh, but it, this was really effective. Yeah, and I love those, especially the first one. I hadn't, you know I hadn't seen these episodes in a couple of years, and I just almost had a had a chuckle at like, oh yeah, they're just pulling you forward with the story. Yeah, absolutely. So, is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on? I just think I would be remiss not to mention one of my favorite things of all time, of course, is Robotech. And there's a direct Robotech influence design that also has a little bit to do with Dune. If you look into the notes there, that's uh, the um, Umbaran's kind of uh, uh, outfits, their 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 uh, the, the pressure suits and stuff. They're wearing a little bit of a Zentradi design from Robotech. The um, enemies at the start of the story in the first series. Uh, and then even the, the, those flying crabs, I don't, I didn't write down the official name, but they're flying crabs. They're very invid like, which is the uh, main enemy from the third series of Robotech. And that's just because, well, the invid essentially were designed like crabs. So crabs exist in our world. So everything <laughs> uh, looks like a crab is influenced by a crab, but it reminded me of the invid uh, flying around, um, uh, taking on the next generation character. So uh, always tipping the cap to Robotech. I am. Look, I would be, this is so delightful. I really love hearing about uh, fandoms that I don't know about. So mm. I would be happy to add a section to the Clone Wars report of, did anything remind you of Robotech? <laughs> did did uh, Filoni and his team work at Robotech? Because I think Dave was a fan. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, just the, the only other thing I wanted to shout out is another Dave, uh, Dave Fenoy, uh, voiced Pongrell. And man, uh, yeah. obviously this is a, a huge triumph of an arc for uh, D. Bradley Baker. Uh, playing mm. all those clones, but the Pong Krell's voice gives him such power and uh, such a great performance. Yeah, absolutely. Agree with that one. All right. If you could have a figure or toy inspired by this arc, who or what do you want? Man, I, you know, can we get, is there a Krell? I don't uh, know. No, when you Google Pong Krell, the only thing that comes up is custom action figures. See, there you go. I think we do need, um, you know, we do sometimes like to collect our baddies. Uh, we do need a Krell with, uh, Double swing and lightsaber action. But 
uh, if we don't want to pay too much respect to Krell, I do think we could get a, uh, um, like a, a battery operated caterpillar tank. Just stomps around your house, chasing your dog around. <laughs> yeah, can I get a Roomba that looks like that tank? Yes. That's what I want. <laughs> Just makes a sound. Kajunk, 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 kajunk. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I I desperately want a uh, vintage three and three quarter, or probably a little taller, uh, Pong Krell action figure. It's mm-hmm. it's you know it's so uh, so uh, great and torturous that the yeah. Clone Wars starts out with like we're gonna make a figure for every little thing, and then that drops off a little bit. Yeah. It's um, awesome. The image of Ponkrell uh, with those lightsabers uh, uh, being spun around by the Vixis, I don't know. I think that would make a good uh, ornament. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> to hang from the tree. It's the Vixis spinning Ponkrell. It's got a little motor you can spin yeah. around. Okay. I like Just that. in time for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Any other toys? No, um, no. I was, uh, you know, I do. If it, I, I take an Embar and uh, the, the Starfighters there. Oh, yeah. I'll take that design. little toy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, when, you know, the Acolyte is set on Umbara, because who knows? (laughs) (laughs) You heard it it here first. Yes. Wild conjecture, not based on anything. Just a thing I said out loud. No YouTube videos, please. Uh, All right. Next up is uh, season four continues, of course. And we're going into, you know, a much lighter episode about the Zygarian slavers. Uh, This is uh, episodes 11, 12, and 13. Another pretty brutal arc, so I'm excited to get into that with you, Ken. Yes. Uh, as always, we like to close out with the moral of this episode of our podcast. Uh, a great podcaster edits from the front and records from the back. What? <laughs> no, it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like some weird, like liquor in the front, poker in the back yeah, kind of a, a sign at a, in a yeah, at a bar in, in, in an in, establishment. In, yeah, in Corona, California, I've been there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, well. You know, there you go. <laughs> Edit in the front, record in the back. There's uh, yeah. going to be the T-shirt that we won't ever post uh, <laughs> on our T-shirt shop there. Uh, speaking of which, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I would love to. We're the Four Center Podcast. We'll be found on Twitter at Four Center Pod or Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, you can like our Facebook page at Four Center Podcast. Uh, get a audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Four Center Merch. It's available at tpublic.com slash uh, user slash four center. And then uh, don't forget podcast available, a lot of different spots. Hey, try a Spotify or Amazon music. If you're tired of some of the old standards that are frustrating you, we're there as well. Uh, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, kennapsock.com to have upcoming comedy dates at the comedy loft in Washington, DC, December 16th through the 19th. Uh, be featuring for Mark Ellis, go to Mark Ellis live, uh, dot, well, he had to change his website. It got hacked. So just go to catnapsuck.com and there's links <laughs> to tickets there. Uh, websites are hard these days. Uh, anyway, you can uh, find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website. If it has not been hacked, I should check on it. Uh, josephscrimshaw.com for all of my other comedy adventures, links to my other uh, podcast obsessed uh, shows I've written on, comedy albums, all kinds of stuff like that. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Rex and his code, this has been the Clone Wars Report.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.